Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap, and uh, thanks to the MoneyWeb team. They're back again tomorrow afternoon at 6 p.m. Brad Brown with you until 7 tonight. And coming up on this evening's show, we'll chat about the purple patch that South African Athletics is going through, particularly from a sprinting perspective. We'll have the latest from Southwest London. Uh, Simon Cambers joins us from Wimbledon, and we'll also chat to Natalie Germanis uh, to unpack this morning's match. So the Proteas won the series against. Bangladesh will also touch base with Dwayne DeLocker and speak a little bit more about that Amazulu and Pumalanga Black Aces proposed deal that's on the table. Let's start with some cricket news. The Proteas wrapped up their T20 series against Bangladesh today with a 31-run victory. South Africa batting first posted 169 for the loss of four in reply. Bangladesh were dismissed for 138. In other cricket news, fantastic performance from Pakistan today that sees them move to third in the ICC Test ranking after they clinched the final test against Sri Lanka. The record run chase from Pakistan saw them reach 282 for three to win the three-match series 2-1. South African tennis have announced a six-man squad that will take on Ireland for the Davis Cup Europe-Africa Zone uh, Group 2 playoff tie at the Irene Country Club in Pretoria later this month. With Kevin Anderson and Raven Klaassen not available for the tie. Tucker Forster, Fritz Volmerans. Dean O'Brien, Ruan Rulofs, Nick Skols and Lloyd Harris have all been included. Transfer news continues to dominate when it comes to football in England. South Af- uh, Southampton have signed defender Kuka Martina from Dutch club FC Twente on a two-year deal. While Crystal Palace midfielder James McArthur will stay at Salhurst Pass, uh, Park after agreeing to a new three-year contract. In rugby news, the Sharks have confirmed that Peter Steff de Toy will leave Durban when his contract expires in October. It's been speculated that the Springbok lock will be heading to Western Province, but no announcement on his future has been made just yet. In boxing news, Floyd Mayweather has been stripped of the WBO welterweight title that he won when he beat Manny Pacquiao two months ago for failing to meet the deadline of paying the $200,000 sanctioning fee to the WBO. American Timothy Bradley is expected to be formally elevated to full champion status by the WBO. In other boxing news, unbeaten British boxer Tyson Fury will fight champion Vladimir Klitschko for the world heavyweight title in October. That after the pair agreed to terms. The Ukrainians WBA, WBO, IBF and IBO crowns will be on the line when the pair meet in Dusseldorf in Germany. And finally, in Tour de France action, it was stage four today, 223 kilometers that began in Serang. And it was without South Africa's Darrell Impey. The Orica Green Edge rider broke his collarbone in yesterday's massive clash. Yellow jersey wearer Fabian Cancellara was also forced to withdraw after he suffered two fractured vertebrae in the same crash. And I can tell you that Tony Martin uh, in, uh, from Team Etix Quickstep has won the day's stage from John Degenkolb from Team Giant Elpersen and Peter Sagan. Tinkoff Saxo finishing third, and the victory for Martin means that he has uh, won the yellow jersey heading into stage five. He has a 12 second advantage over Team Sky's Chris Froome and BMC Racing's TJ Van Garderen, who's 25 seconds back. Coming up next here on SAFM, we'll head to Wimbledon. SAFM Sports Wrap.
Simon Campbell joins us now. Before we look at what's happening in the ladies' quarterfinals, let's uh, just chat a little bit about Kevin Anderson. Obviously, the big news for South Africa was uh, that Anderson had to complete his match against Novak Djokovic on court number one a little bit earlier today. It was locked at two sets all when play was suspended late yesterday. But uh, Anderson with a couple of opportunities and uh, probably once he's going to rue, Simon, he had had a chance to, to win this thing. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he, as we've said many times, he's, he's never got past the fourth round in, in a slam, and it, it is that sort of mental barrier, but also he's playing against the world number one, who he played so brilliantly against for the first two sets the previous night. Yeah, you're right about it, Ruth. He had a couple of break point chances um, in that fifth set, but he just always had the feeling that Djokovic had, had the answer, and he got the one break he needed, and, and that was it, unfortunately. Looking at uh, just the, where, where the momentum changed for, for Anderson, he probably had a, a great opportunity to, 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 to finish it off last night. Two sets to love up. He should have really driven it home. And if you look at the top players, guys like Djokovic, like Federer, when they're in a position like that, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, that's right. And it's, in, it's interesting to hear Anderson say that the change in the weather last night, when you know, as, as the sun dropped down, the, the temperatures got a bit cooler, he, he didn't feel quite as loose as he had in the first two sets. And, you know, he was serving bombs and smashing Djokovic's return and coming in and pushing him back all the time. He wasn't able to do that at the start of the third set, and that really changed momentum. And Once Djokovic got a chance and got a hold, a foothold in the match, then he was a completely different animal. Looking at uh, just his performance at Queen's, obviously, against Andy Murray in that final, he was totally outclassed. He can take a lot of heart from this performance. So I think it's definitely a huge plus, even though he did lose. Uh, I think a lot of positives to take out there. Let's look at uh, the ladies' action that's taking place uh, this afternoon as well. Been a couple of interesting matchups. Maria Sharapova uh, was made to work hard for her victory. Yeah, very, very tough uh, match for Sharapova. She really hasn't played her absolute best here this fortnight, but she's still there, and she did manage to get past Coco Vandewey unseeded American, whose grandmother was a Miss World in 1952, believe it or not. But she played really well to push it to three sets. But in the end, Sharapova just had just about enough to get through 6-2 in the third. Uh, Gabriela Magaruza also also through and uh, yeah, e- easy enough. But looking at uh, the action that's on court now, someone that I've been chatting about uh, for the last week and a bit, <laughs> Victoria Azarenka giving Serena Williams a, a good run for her money. Yeah, she's taken the first set. Azarenka has been, it's been coming. You're absolutely right. She's been playing well for a good few months now, uh, recovered fully from injury, but she's only been losing to the top players. She's, she almost beat Serena in Paris, and she's taken the first set, and she's looking very, very strong. It's going to take a, a big turnaround. She, Serena's just starting to sort of really ramp up the noise levels and really sort of trying to get herself through this match, but it's not going to be easy. No, coming off uh, off an injury, she's coming in as one of the lowest seeds, 23, and it's going to be, be tough to beat. Yeah. Then looking at, at the other match on court as well, Agnieszka Radvanska, number 13th seed, uh, she's also a setup. Yeah, an uh, interesting scene. You know, class on, uh, on graph does, does tell. Um, Radvanska had no form until a couple of weeks before Wimbledon. They picked up a title, and now she's won the first set 7-6 against Madison Keys, American who's got a massive game, I think, and it really will be a top player in the, in the, in the future. But uh, Radwags has just sort of got that court craft and that now, so it's maybe just about to get her over the line. Fantastic stuff. Simon Campbell, thank you so much for that report from Wimbledon. I can tell you, just looking up at my television screen, Agnieszka Radvanska, uh, or um, Azarenka, rather, Victoria Azarenka, is uh, 2-1 down in the second set, although she is serving uh, at the moment, uh, set up. That's going to be one to watch. We'll give you a score just before we wrap things up here on SAFM Sports Wrap.
SAFM Sports Wrap. This is SAFM Sports Wrap. Don't forget, you can be in touch. You can send us an SMS. 34701. SMSs are charged at 2. And what do you make of the Proteus performance this morning? Get those SMSs through. You can also tweet us at SAFM uh, Sports Wrap. You can also find us on Facebook. But let's chat some cricket now. And it's been a while since I caught up with Natalie Germanis. I think the last time we spoke was during the World Cup. Natalie, uh, great to chat once again. And uh, great to see the Proteus in action and wrapping up the two match series 2 0. Comprehensive in the end. Yeah, thanks very much, Brad. It's great to chat again. And, and absolutely, comprehensive was definitely one of the words that we used for the project performance from the first T20 and, and through into the second T20. And it's good to see them finding a bit of consistency because they have lacked that in the format of the game. Even in the one-day format, they've lacked a bit of consistency, especially considering the talent that they have. But it was an all-round good performance from South Africa yet again today. I think they should be disappointed, but the South African ODI squad, in terms of the series, has also bode well for the one-dayers. And then, of course, going in, into the test as well, and hopefully they've got their confidence up. Let's talk about today's performance before we look at the series as a whole. Uh, there was a, a debut uh, for this morning, and uh, a pretty decent uh, debut as well for, for the youngster. Uh, good to see an, another spinner in the fold picking up some wickets. Eddie Lee making his debut today at the age of 28. He plays for the Lions. He's also part of the St. Lucia Zooks squad um, that is playing, obviously, in the Caribbean Premier League at the moment. He flew over from there to, to um, come to Bangladesh, and then he will probably be fine back because uh, that is still going on at the moment. But his domestic record is something very, very special. He's played 24 2020 games. He's got an average of 16 as a bowler and an economy rate of 5.6. As a spinner, a leg break bowler, in this format of the game, to have that economy rate is something very special. He's earned his place in the side. And today he was quite brilliant, 3 for 16. He bowled very well, and he got the player of the match award. And well-deserved as well, I might add. And, and you talk about that economy rate in, in this format of the game. That's pretty impressive. But uh, Kyle Abbott as well was, was pretty good with the ball, particularly right at the end, wrapping up the tail. Certainly good to see Kyle Abbott in at the end, bowling the Yorkers. I think that's got a lot to do with the influence of Charles Longerfeld. So Langefeld was an excellent death bowler. He had so much skill at his disposal. And um, we've seen Kyle Abbott bowling those uh, Yorkers at the death. He looks pretty comfortable bowling them as well because it's not easy. It's very, very difficult skill to master. And hopefully it'll, it'll mean good things because in the one-day format, the, the rules have changed in that you now can have five fielders outside the inner ring for the last ten overs. And there's no more batting power play. So it'll make things slightly easier from a bowling perspective. And if he's bowling like that in the one day, it'll be very difficult to get away. Uh, I don't want to brush over it, but uh, Aaron Pangiso also picked up three wickets today. So uh, pretty good performance all round for those three bowlers. But from the batting front, uh, it was good to see Quinton de Kock scoring some runs up front. He looked very comfortable at the crease yet again today. Um, on Sunday, I remarked on the fact that he looks like he's worked on his technique a little bit. He looks a bit better at the crease, a lot more solid. He's not moving around as much, and he doesn't look uncomfortable. He looks really comfortable at the crease. He didn't make many runs on Sunday, but today, 44 from 31. That's the job he's got to do up the order as an opening bat in a T20. Four fours, two sixes. He took pressure off A.B. Villiers as well, who at the other end was struggling a little bit to get away in the format in terms of uh, his strike rate. He wasn't quite up there with uh, his normal sort of striking, but Quinton de was very, very good today and, and good again behind the stumps today. From a, from a series perspective, 2-0, I mean, that was to be expected. Yes, Bangladesh off a pretty impressive run against India, but, uh, I mean, we would have been really, really surprised if, if we hadn't won the series. 
format, unfortunately for Bangladesh, it's not really where they do shine. They have put together an excellent one-day squad. And uh, since the World Cup, they have just gone from strength to strength. They beat Pakistan 3-0, and they beat India 2-1 as well. So from a one-day format, they, they, they definitely have a very set aside, and they seem to have found an equation that works for them. But T20s have never been very good at it. You'd expect them to be a lot better at it. But they have a very poor um, record in the T20 format, and they have a very poor record at the Sharon Bangla National Stadium. They've only won three T20 matches there out of 12 matches. So they don't have a good record there. And unfortunately for them, they don't play a lot of T20s. They played one earlier this year, and then before that, they played another T20 back in the World T20. So it's been a while for them to play T20s, and I'm afraid they just don't have a record in this format that you would expect of them. The next big ICC tournament for South Africa is the T20 World Cup. These two games were pretty important in their preparation because there's uh, not too many uh, opportunities to play T20 cricket before then. We've left some of the big names at home. Do you think it's been mission accomplished for the Proteas on this one, checking out some of the, the players who are possibly fringe players? Do you think it's given selectors a bit of a, a headache? Um, I think what they've done with the, with the side in that they gave an opportunity to the likes of Eddie Lee. Um, we've seen Aaron Pangisha coming back to form after he did have that injury last year, the hairline fracture finger. Um, David Visser has shown that in this format he is really at home. He's been quite brilliant so far for South Africa. And, and hopefully it does give them the headache that, um, that they would want because you, you want to have rather a bigger pool to choose from than a smaller pool especially for a World T20 where South Africa have never done particularly well in the World T20. Um, they've never made it through to the final. Obviously, we know their history in, in ICC tournaments, and it's not one that they can brag about. But I think so far, so good. There's still a long way to go in the season, of course. They've got to play against the likes of New Zealand, India, England, and then Australia, and all of those involved T20s. Um, before they go to the World T20. So there is still quite a long way to go, but I think so far so good, and hopefully it just means that there's going to be a bit of competition for places in the side. Natalie, one day series coming up. I see that uh, skipper Avi de Villiers has been suspended for the opening match. That's uh, following a, a slow overrate against the Black Caps in the semi-final of, of the World Cup. Uh, is that going to be a big loss for the Proteas? I mean, we've got able replacements uh, for Avi. Yeah, it actually comes from a bit earlier in the World Cup, actually, believe it or not. Um, uh, in the West Indies series, um, what happened was he had already been on a warning, and they carry it over to the next series. And the rules in the World Cup were that they weren't going to carry over any suspensions from other series. It'll just carry over into the next series. So it's carried over from there, and we always knew that he wasn't going to be playing in, in, in that because of that. And then he is also obviously expecting the birth of his child, so he won't be part of the test squad either. So it'll be interesting to see what does happen with the one-day format. Tashimamba will be at the helm. He's a good uh, test captain, and he's proved himself in that format. He's a, an excellent one-day player as well. Um, obviously, they're, they're gonna, they'll miss baby Williams because of the, the, the fact that he is obviously a very strong player in the format. Um, but they have got a lot of uh, talent to turn to, and I think it's quite a full squad. They've brought back Ryan McLaren as well, after he was their side of the World Cup squad. And they've got the likes of Chris Morris to turn to, and possibly even Kachiso Rabada in this format will be interesting to see how he goes. So a lot of options for, for the one-day squad, and they will be up against a very tough opposition. Without a doubt. Natalie Jumanis, thank you very much for that. Don't forget, we will have crossings throughout uh, the one-day and test series here on SAFM. You can get all your cricket updates here on South Africa's news and information leader. SAFM Sports Wrap.
This is SAFM 104-107. I'm Brad Brown, and you're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap. Big news yesterday. There's been rumblings in South African football circles for uh, the last week or so about the possibility of Amazulu trying to buy their way back, so to speak, into the Premiership. Uh, this coming season They were relegated to the National First Division At the end of last season And uh, it's uh, last season uh, Last week the PSL were denying Any knowledge of uh, the, the deal Yesterday CEO of the PSL Brunt de Villiers confirming that they have been given Documentation and a request For such a deal We join now by the host of the PSL radio show Second Jolly, Dwayne DeLocker now just to, to sort of get to the bottom of this and, and find out what's actually happening. Dwayne, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap. Thanks for, for your time this evening. Uh, is this a first for South African football? Great, good to chat to you. Uh, no, not by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, uh, change of ownership is, is something that's uh, far from being new. Uh, many clubs, though, sold their clubs to different owners, but they come in as newcomers to the club. They assume control of a club. They don't change the status of it. They don't play as a new club, change the name, and play in a different division. But certainly we have had cases previously. I mean, um, I, I think some of the more prominent ones were, were Thunder Royal Zulu, bought the status of, of, of uh, Benoni Premier United uh, back in 2000. Six, I think it was 2006-2007 season Maritzburg United got themselves back uh, into the PSL initially um, via the, buying the status of, of Tembisa Classic uh, Amazulu interesting enough actually has previously bought the status of, of Dynamo so it's not the first time that Amazulu is actually uh, buying the status of, uh, of a club but it, it, it's happened in in, uh, in in bit parts over the years where a club has actually had its, its status uh, and controlled and franchise effectively sold and, and the new club being completely taken over. But there's a lot of interesting sort of aspects to this that make it a little different rather than just a, a straight sale. That's what I was going to say. It's not, in my opinion, what I've read up, it's not just a straight sale. It, for me, it looks like Amazulu is trying to buy their way back into the PSL. Yeah, that's exactly what it is in my book. I mean, look, uh, ultimately, though, we've got to look back and say if it's legal, we're under Article 30 of the uh, National, uh, the NSL Code, or it is legal effectively if the PSLX ratifies it. Um, so so what, the, what we're basically being told to do is to sort of sit back and say, well, if the PSL ex- Executive Committee decides it can be done, then there's nothing illegal about it, and uh, it, should be, it should be left alone. But look, Article 30 basically at least does provide some protection for the players that are involved and certainly the, the, uh, all the employment contracts of clubs that are being sold. So that's at least something that needs to be taken into consideration. But Brad, I can tell you that uh, the PSL have actually called a special executive committee meeting that's been uh, convened for tomorrow. Uh, the, the sale of the franchise, uh, ACES franchise, is going to be discussed tomorrow. But more importantly, the situation contractually uh, and otherwise of the players is going to be scrutinized. Um, but, but of course the situation then for the Aces staff and players, uh, they face a very uncertain future in the National First Division if, if the sale is approved. And to be fair, uh, there are many players that didn't sign up to, to play in the National First Division. I mean, ultimately these Aces players signed PSL contracts in seasons gone by, did their duty, uh, fought to stay in the PSL, did well enough, uh, got themselves into a good position, um, and they just haven't they're in a position, effectively, or on the brink of a position, where they're, uh, they're in a situation that they didn't sign up to be in. And that, for me, really is, isn't, isn't fair or in, indeed reasonable. And, in fact, FIFA um, has a statute in its uh, uh, constitution about sporting integrity that talks about similar 
um, situations and saying that sporting integrity cannot be uh, impinged upon. And effectively, the principles of promotion and relegation cannot be bought with money alone. Otherwise, as you say, it's, it's simply a case of, um, you know, the survival of the richest. Yeah, Dwayne, you, you, you bring up an interesting point with, with the players, and I think it's important to, to chat about that, because the, the Mpumalanga Black Aces players, you say they signed contracts with the PSL, but one of the risks you take as a player is, obviously, if your team doesn't perform, you get relegated. That is one of the risks. You might, But Black Aces haven't been relegated, so their players are under the impression that they will be playing Premier League soccer next season. Salaries are dependent on what league they're in. I'm guessing there's more yeah. money in, in the Premiership than there is in the National First Division. So there's a huge, huge financial loss there too. But there's a status loss too. It's it's more difficult for a player playing in the National First Division to 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 get into the PSL. Once you're in the PSL, it's it's the next step is obviously going abroad. These players, it it, it is. It's it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for these guys who fought hard all season for for black aces to stay up. No, you, you, you spot on with that. I mean, uh, ultimately, it's, it, it's very ca- career-limiting uh, as a player, as a coach in the, uh, in the National First Division, whereas in the PSL, of course, it, it just opens up opportunities for you. And these are, these are aspects that do need to be taken into consideration. And, and, you know, you look at a situation like uh, Amazulu being from KwaZulu-Natal, the Durban base, but they're going to be playing now alongside the Golden Arrows back in the PSL if, indeed, they, the, the sale goes through. Um, the Golden Arrows t- took that very bitter pull the previous season, played last season in the National First Division, and did it the right way. They went through the correct channels, they brought in the right people, they brought a few new players, and then they finished top of the National First Division, gained automatic promotion back to the PSL, and that's what you want to see. That's, a, that's sporting integrity. That's a great deal of heart, and of course, uh, Golden Arrows won many fans, by the way, they were able to do that. But you've also got to look at, the aside from the players, you've got to look at the, the fans. What does this do for football in Mpumalanga? I mean, on Saturday, I'm going to be at Mbombela Stadium doing the Pirates match against Zamalek, the CAF Confed Cup game. But to be honest, um, that might be the only sort of top-flight football that Mpumalanga as a province is going to see in the seasons ahead if, uh, if, if the sale goes through. Without a doubt, Dwayne, and it's also a case of, uh, I mean, if, if you look at uh, the, the promotion relegation, sort of the way the league is set up, it's the cream rises to the top in all the leagues and the best teams come up and the, and the, the, the weaker teams fall out. And I think that's the way it should be. We'll watch this one very, very carefully. Thanks for your time this evening. We look forward to catching up again soon here on SAFM. Indeed, and watch other news coming out of that PSL Expo tomorrow. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap, and it seems that South African sprinting is going through a bit of a purple patch at the moment. South African 100-meter champion Okani Simbini says there are exciting times ahead for South African athletics, particularly sprinting. He was reacting to his fellow sprinter Enrico Brankis breaking the South African 100-meter record as he ran 9.97 seconds in Switzerland yesterday. Simbini himself became only the second South African to run a sub-10 in Slovenia last week as he won the race in at 9.99 seconds a year after the suspended Simon Machakwe broke a 26-year-old South African record of 10.06 by running 9.98 seconds. Simbini says now he foresees some good rivalry on the track between himself and Brankies. I was shocked when it happened but I was happy because you know he's been working hard but you know um I wanted it personally, the record, but then it went to him. But then now it makes me want to, you know, put a mark down, a heavier mark down on the athletics world and just get the essay record and get it on my name as well. Um, you talk about the rivalry. Is that the rivalry between you and him that we're going to see as early as this Wednesday? 
the rivalry between him and I, you know, it's going to be interesting, but I'm not sure if he's running the 100. He's just there for the relay. So um, I think I'm only going to race against him at World Champs again if I get into a race with him. But, you know, I'm just ready to race whenever we need to race, but that's just the rivalry on the track. And off the track, it's something else. We, you know, we're friends, you know, acquaintances. So it's we good off the track, we're good on the track. So it's cool. Both Sambini and Brainkeys will be racing in the World Student Championships in Gwangju, South Korea, this week. But they won't come up against each other, but will instead line up together in the relay. With SA sprinters running good times and breaking records like this, Sambini knows that this all goes well for the relay team for the World Championships in Beijing, China next month and the Rio Olympic Games next year. But who will be in the team according to Sambini? If we get everything right and put everything together, you know, we can have a good chance of meddling and, um, you know, putting a mark down in the relay world. So we're just hoping that the, the changeovers can go right and the people that deserve to be in the team are in the team so that we can, we can medal at World Champs. Without putting you on the spot, who's in your ideal team? Mm. Well, me, Enrico, and Naso. And I don't know the first part. It's too tight. I think Roscoe, but I don't know. I really don't know. No TT. Yeah, between Roscoe and TT. Simbini, who earlier this year won the 100-meter SA title in Stellenbosch, is already looking to next year's SA Senior Championship, where he could potentially line up against Anaso, Jobodwana, Brankis, and other sprint kings in South Africa. He's vowed to fight hard for his title. It's going to be very interesting, you know, see who's on form, who's ready to run fast. But I just know that I'm not going to let go of the SA title that easily. So it's going to be a fight till the last, till past the line, till 110 meters. You waited too long to be something champion. Yeah, I wanted that title last year and, and I just missed it. So, and I got it this year and I finally got it and I don't want to lose it just over a year. So I also want to reign over a few years, you know, and be that SA champion and be that undisputed SA champion over the next years and the next years and the next years to come. Simbini didn't have a good World Student Games edition in Kazan, Russia two years ago as he bombed out in the heats and Jobodwana went on to be a double champion in the 100 and 200 meters respectively. The 21-year-old University of Pretoria student says he's got unfinished business with these games. We're here to race and we're here to, to win medals and most definitely I'm here to win a medal and win it in a good time and I'm hoping to win it in time that actually gives me the SA record but we'll see what happens on Wednesday and Thursday but I feel confident and I think I'm ready to race well. I gather earlier that uh, you seem to have unfinished business with those World Student Games. Yeah, most definitely because um, the last World Student Games I got knocked out in the heats and um, the relay was didn't go so well, so I'm trying to make you know to make it make it better and make this one one to remember. Simbini ran his 9.99 seconds at the 20th European Athletics Classics meeting in Slovenia last Wednesday, and has attributed uh, attributed this good form to many role players in his life. I think it comes from you know consistency and working hard and the group that I have that's 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 helping me get to where I am. Like with my coach, um, Tux Athletics, with HPC, with my manager and my support system. That has just merged to you know, help me get to where I am and keep me sane, keep me focused on what I need to do. You must have been waiting for this for a very long time. Yeah, I've been waiting to run 
10 seconds, up under 10 actually. And um, last year I tried chasing it, chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. And this year I came with the mindset of stop trying to chase it and actually run a good race with good form and put my, my phases together. And I've been doing that and it's been coming together. And I think that was the key this year. Well, Dwana and Brankis, as well as Wade Fanikak, breaking different South African records in the past few days, the 200, 100 and 400 meter respectively. Simbini believes this all goes well for SA Athletics and its future. I think we're all just hungry, you know. We see what, what the possibilities are of running fast and being on the world stage, and we all just want to get to that stage. So we're all just hungry to be on that stage and get onto that stage and get into the level of the likes of the Usain Bolt or Safa Piles. So... We just see that and we want to be on that level, so we're trying to get there and that's why I think athletics is just taking that toll here in South Africa. SAFM Sports Wrap. Almost time to say cheerio, but uh, let's take a look at what's happening at the tennis in at Wimbledon and uh, that clash between Victoria Azarenka and uh, Serena Williams getting very, very interesting. Azarenka leading by one set to love. Williams is 4-2 up in the second set, but Azarenka now has two break points. She's just saved one, has Williams. So as it stands right now, 30-40 in the service game for Azarenka to break back and get it back on serve in the second set. And looking at the other match that's taking place this evening to Agnieszka Radvanska uh, up against Marion Keys. Uh, Radvanska winning the opening set of that one, 7-6. She went on to lose the second set, 6-3. And they are just getting the third set underway. So uh, matters level there as well at a set apiece. I can tell you that Williams has just won that or that point. So the second break point saved. It is deuce. Um, I think we're in for an epic encounter in this one. And that's it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Don't forget you can be in touch. You can... uh, Pop us a message on Facebook to search for SAFM Sports Wrap. You can also find us on Twitter. And we'll be back again tomorrow afternoon at 6.30 for another edition of the show. I'll be back on PM Live tomorrow at uh, 4 p.m. If you'd like uh, an update of your sport tomorrow morning, AM Live with Janet Witten. Make sure you tune in then on SAFM. Coming up next, it is the Talk Shop. Thank you very much to my uh, producer, Siobhan Chetty. I'm Brad Brown. Back again tomorrow. Have yourself a great evening. It is 7 o'clock.